Hear the word of the Lord. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jonathan, and I am delighted today to be here with you. And as we turn our thoughts to the scriptures, I wonder if you would pray this prayer along with me. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that in hearing we may also trust in your ways. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, we are excited today to begin a new emphasis, a new year, a new emphasis. And yes, I do realize that today is actually the second Sunday of the year, uh, but most of you were not here on New Year's because you were uh, either tired from staying up all night or you had other plans, which is totally fine. So it's like the new year begins today, at least for uh, the calendar purposes. And we are going to begin an emphasis called Journey to 50. And Journey to 50, it's actually Journey to 50 plus. I don't know if you have realized it today, but everyone has a plus. Uh, Apple has a plus, Google has a plus, we all have pluses, and so we have to have a plus as well. So it's journey to 50 plus, because that's the, the proper thing to do these days. And this campaign is uh, actually a membership drive. It is a drive where we are going to spend time focusing on uh, trying to help people move towards becoming involved and engaged in the work that God is doing here at Journey. So our aspiration uh, as beginning this new year is that we are going to, uh, and throughout this time spent focused on the journey to 50, going to uh, say hello to 50 plus new people to become a part of the work that God is doing here. So we're going to be examining on this road to 50. Uh, why would you want to walk down this road with us? Uh, what is unique about this place? What makes the work that is done here significant 
and lasting, and all the while uh, inviting people to join in in what is taking place here. Now, to be sure, we are asking and believing for 50 plus people to join in with us this year. But what this is not is a uh, focus on growth simply for church growth. Now, obviously, 50 plus more people uh, is going to mean that the church will grow in numbers, that that will happen. But as I see it, and as we see it as, as leadership in the church, the 50 plus is really catching up to the growth that God has already produced in this, up until this point in this church. And I really do feel like that the last year for us has been a year of growing to be the people that God desires for us to be so that we can move into the next phase of what is journey, who are we going to be, and being solidified here in East Dallas. Now, this may sound like a bit of a strange statement, but, but the reality is that Uh, the number of people present isn't really a measure of growth. Now, we all get excited about bigger and better and more, And as people, oftentimes what drives us is the idea of bigger and better and more. Uh, Later on this afternoon, Uh, happening right here in our backyard. The Cowboys are going to play a game which possibly will lead them to first place in the NFC East. Now, it's a long shot. It's got to have several different things happening. They got to win and then they have have some other things working their way. But perhaps at the end of the day, they will be in first place. It seemed improbable a few weeks ago. Today, it uh, has a significant chance. The owner of the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, his life is driven by more and bigger and better, right? Since he purchased the Cowboys, that's actually, if you listen to him, what led him to buy the Cowboys in the first place. Uh, That's what led him to make what's now dubbed as Jerry World in Arlington, one of the largest stadiums Uh, certainly in the NFL, perhaps even in the world. Uh, They set records as far as people attending games in that stadium. More and bigger and better uh, is what drives him. And if there is a full house, wherever we show up, if the place is full, you ever showed up to a restaurant, the parking lot was empty and you looked around wondering like, what is this place any good? Right? You're checking to see, oh yeah, it's dinner time. Where's the rest of the people, right? The, when there's a full house, it has the illusion that something is good and, and moving and you want to be a part of it. Gives you the perception that it's the place to be. But in the kingdom of God, the number or the amount is always secondary. It's never the main thing. What is viewed as growth in the kingdom of God is obedience. Individuals and as a community doing called what we are doing, what we are called to do. That is what uh, success is in the kingdom of God. 
So take a, take a minute with me and think back to the Old Testament. If you are familiar with the story of Israel in captivity, they are enslaved by Egypt. Now, typically, I don't, I'm not a super historian, so I can't guarantee that this is absolutely true, but it seems to make sense that if a people are going to be enslaved, then it makes sense that the people who enslave them have more and bigger and better, right? If you have more and bigger and better, then you are able, if you choose to use your means to do evil, you are able to coerce somebody to do what you want them to do, right? So if you're going to enslave someone, you have to have more and bigger and better. Otherwise, your attempts to enslave them may end up with you being the one who is enslaved. But you have this people, this group of people who are overwhelmed by the Egyptians and forced into slavery. Now, there's a problem for the Egyptians in that the Israelites are very fruitful. Their numbers are increasing, the scriptures tell us. And they began to fear because the number of the Israelites is growing so fast that they see a day in the future where they will be able, the Israelites will be able to overwhelm the Egyptians just because of their sheer numbers. There were so many Israelites at the time that they were set free that they were called a nation. Right? That is a lot of people. But what's interesting, though, for us to recognize for our purposes today is that once they are set free and God instructs them on how they are to live in this new reality of their freedom, this nation of people, in order for them to live according to the kingdom of God, he tells them something that they are to do, and that something that they are to do over and over and over again is to care for the orphan, the widow, and the immigrant. Now, for societies who live according to the ways of brokenness, who live according to the ways that make sense in the world, they may oftentimes offer lip service to the orphan, the widow, and the immigrant. But an unfortunate reality is that we get to the point as societies where we tend to also overlook those groups or marginalize those groups, or uh, we don't, we, even worse, we take advantage of those groups. But God told the Israelites that no matter how far you get, no matter how much you advance as a nation, you are to be people who actually legitimately leverage your abilities, influence, and resources to care for the orphan, the widow, and the immigrant. God instructs the Israelites to do this before they have even settled down in the land that they would inhabit. If you continue reading the story, we know that there are moments in the Old Testament, there are periods of time where the Israelites go from this flourishing nation to being occupied by other countries. Babylon, eventually Rome. These other countries, more and bigger and better, come in 
and take over, uh, taking the Israelites into captivity again and putting them in a place where they are no longer in charge. The prophets in the Old Testament, every time this happens, one of the main things that they warn the people about is you are forgetting to care for the orphan, the widow, and the immigrant. So in the midst of this large nation of people, God is directing their attention, their focus, their emphasis to care for this, these people who are often overlooked and marginalized in society. But when we forget this and we settle into the ways of the world of more and bigger and better over the ways of the kingdom of God, we are likely to move past this and then we are subjected to uh, the effects of these ways in our lives. When the people of God forget the ways of the kingdom of God, when they chase down the ways leading to brokenness, these ways impinge upon us and they impinge the brokenness on our neighbors and subject us and our neighbors to the effects of brokenness. But the reverse of that is this, that when the people of God are obedient, the fruit of the Spirit are a harvest of grace and peace that blesses our neighbors. There are several times in the New Testament where Jesus is in front of large crowds of people, feeding the masses, right? In the temple, in the city streets, even Jesus in the wilderness draws large crowds of people. But in almost all of these occasions, when Jesus is up in front of a group of a large group of people, Jesus draws attention and emphasizes the small, the insignificant, the ordinary. Think to the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. As the story goes, there are 5,000 plus people in, uh, around this area listening to Jesus's teaching, right? And there's a problem developing. There's all these people and there's no food. Uh, they, they, they don't have Cisco to deliver the food to them and stock the pantry. There's no way for these people to find nourishment where they are. So Jesus draws his disciples together, right? Jesus sees a problem. He doesn't shy away from it. He doesn't tell them good luck. Right? He sees that his neighbor is in need, and it just so happens that his neighbor tend, happens to be a group of 5,000 plus people. And he says, we can offer a solution to this need that is in front of us. So he gathers his disciples together, and you can kind of hear you know, them, see them, hear, what are, what are we doing? What, how are we going to solve this problem? There is no way for us to solve this 
problem. And so in my mind, the scene that I see unfolding is Jesus gathers them together. And maybe he's taking a moment to pray. There's kind of conversation going on between the disciples. Maybe one of them says, hey, I have an idea. Let's call all the catering companies in town. Let's call Grubhub. Let's call Uber Eats. Let's figure out how we can get all the food here possible, right? And they're trying to figure out how can we solve this problem within our own means. And then somebody says, realistically, that's not, none of, no matter what we do, it's not going to work. So Jesus calls his disciples' attention to him, and he says to them, bring me what you have, right? What do you have? Give it to me. Well, as the story tells us, what they have is a boy's lunch, right? Not a hungry man, uh, microwavable feast, but a boy's lunch, a kid's meal, right? A McDonald's Happy Meal equivalent is what we might understand this as. They say, we've scrounged up a child's meal. What are we gonna do with this, right? We might as well not even try anything. But Jesus says, you just give that to me and watch what happens. I will receive what you have to give me and watch what unfolds. So he gathers the lunch and tells his disciples to go and to pass it out to the people. Now, could you imagine just how much you would have to trust someone if you took a Happy Meal and tried to walk away to offer food to 5,000 plus people, right? You would appear to be a little bit off your rocker, right? If you actually thought that this was going to work. But this is how much the disciples trust Jesus. And so they go out and they start handing out food and they never reach the end of it. And at the, at, as we're told at the end of the story, Every one of these people have been fed. And at the end, what is left is 12 baskets full of food. Now, what's significant about that is that if you are astute in your history of Israel, there are 12 tribes of Israel. If you can name them, you can come see me after church and I will offer you congratulations, right? <laughs> Uh, I don't think I could even name the 12 tribes of Israel, but there are 12 tribes of Israel, and there is a basket offered for each of these 12 tribes to receive the bounty of the kingdom of heaven, to stop living in this reality where we are deduced to the ways of brokenness, to receive the kingdom in its fullest and be able to approach our lives and situations and care for our neighbors, not from the strength that we have, not from what we are able to accomplish or to set in motion, but by the work of the Holy Spirit within us that spills over out of our lives and blesses our neighbor. All of that happens from a kid's meal. It's an insanely significant event 
but it begins not with the mentality of more and bigger and better, but a boy's lunch. Large crowds form and Jesus points out a blind beggar. He draws attention to a widow's offering. He constantly draws our attention to the ordinary, the small, and the seemingly insignificant. Journey to 50 plus isn't about us growing in numbers so that we can have bigger crowds to impress ourselves. It's about being obedient to how God is calling us to bless our neighbors. It's because the growth of the Spirit is evident here, and we believe the moment is now for us to draw attention to this mysteriously present God. But as all good membership drives go, we want to talk about the member benefits, right? What do you receive for being a member here? Now, for a while now, if you are a first-time guest with us, we offer you a gift that you can take home. And for me, it's a pretty good gift. It's a coffee mug. Everybody needs a good coffee mug. I've heard people using it for coffee, of course, but also ice cream and soup. It's a great mug. It's big, so you could put a lot of coffee in there, or it's also big enough to put something else that you enjoy in there. So we give you a coffee mug, we give you a coupon to uh, what I believe is the best coffee shop, certainly in Dallas, and the best coffee shop really that I have ever been to, and I've been to a lot of them. So uh, if you disagree with me, that's fine, but you're probably wrong. <laughs> but we give the, our guests, we give them gifts. But as cool as those gifts are for those who are members of this church who are actively participating in the work that God is doing here, there are special member benefits that you, uh, it's not, you can't only get them here. I won't make that claim, but uh, you can certainly get them here. So first and foremost is this. The first member benefit is that your life will be saturated in the kingdom of God. Your life will be saturated in the kingdom of God. The vision of Journey is pretty simple. Actually, if you followed along with our opening liturgies, you have already spoken these words. Uh, we are a community of people following the way of Jesus and learning to be present. This is what we aspire to be. This is the type of people we desire to uh, live as and act as in this world. Individually, we seek to do this by uh, being disciplined by the work of the Holy Spirit, of prayer and, and, and all of the spiritual disciplines, to never take for granted, to never be unresponsive, and constantly be awakening to new wonder and praise of God's goodness. Collectively, we live as people following the way of Jesus by leveraging our abilities and influence and resources to bless our neighbors. And the way in which we measure whether or not we are living according to this is the fruit of the Spirit. Is the fruit of the Spirit evident in our lives and through what we do as a church? Now, 
What I want to make sure that you don't hear me saying is that if you decide to follow Jesus or to become a member here, please don't hear me say that everything will work out the way that you want it to, because that is absolutely not true. But what is true is that no matter what you face, no matter what situations transpire, that the grace and peace of Jesus will be at work in your lives, enabling you to face come what may. And as we, through the disciplines of prayer and fasting and obedience to the kingdom of God, are shaped by the work of the Holy Spirit in us, producing the, what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As we submit ourselves to those ways, we know that there will still be times of frustration. There will still be time of anxiety. There will still be days where we're not sure which way is up, left, or right. But we know that when those times come, when those fears creep in, that we don't have to rely on our strength or our ability to figure our way out of it, but that there is the presence of God within us by the work of the Holy Spirit, that we are able to look into hopeless situations and have the hope of God. Pa situations of impatience and act patiently and slowly. Situations of angst and strife and be kind and gentle. That is the work of the Spirit, and that work is fostered here at Journey. That's the thing that we try to do the most. The second member benefit is that your investment here is exponentially multiplied. So what does that mean? That means that all of us Every single person from the youngest to the oldest, if you are alive and moving and able, uh, you have abilities and influence and resources. And as people of God, we are invited to leverage those abilities and influence and resources to bless our neighbor. And so when you join in with the mission of Journey, you bring your abilities and influence and resources, and they're combined with everyone else's abilities and influence and resources. So it multiplies your investment in the way in which you are able to bless your neighbor. All of our abilities, influence, resources combined. The return on that investment is not bigger and better and more, but all of us together bearing witness to this mysteriously present God. The third member, the third member benefit is that you become the mission right? This place isn't the pastor or the pastors or uh, the, the board. This place is the people. You are what makes journey. And so when you invest your time and energy and efforts here, you become the mission. And the fourth member benefit, you get a free t-shirt, <laughs> right? That's the fourth benefit. 
So, Jesus arrives in the passage of scripture that Jeremy read earlier to John, who was called the baptizer. His name was John the Baptist. Uh, I have several nicknames that people have given to me uh, describing certain moments in my life. Uh, But John the Baptist baptized so many people that he's called the Baptist, right? So Jesus, uh, John's mission, by the way, also, as we read in the scripture, was to prepare the way of Jesus. So like the, the second most significant person in all of the scripture next to Jesus, uh, you could argue, is John the Baptist. He come, he's there baptizing people. Jesus shows up and Jesus says to John, baptize me. Right, we have a similar moment uh, to this later with Peter when Jesus bends down to wash Peter's feet. Peter says, no, no, no. You're not going to wash my feet, right? John says to Jesus, are you sure, right? You want me to baptize you, right? I can baptize all these people. They're uh, sometimes rotten. They act in ways that they shouldn't. They know better when they get off track. I can baptize them, no problem. But you, the son of God, you want me to baptize you, Jesus's response to John is, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. So how can you say no, right? John then consented to what Jesus was calling him to do. We have for the last year here at Journey been with every ounce of our abilities consenting to the work that God has desired for us to do. And we believe with everything that we are that now is the time, that it is the proper moment for us to be solidified here in East Dallas, to embody the light of Christ so that all may know that no matter what you face, be it feast or famine, be it joy or pain, be it hope-filled or depressed, that Jesus is with you and will sustain you through it all. That is what Journey to 50 is all about. So if you are around here uh, for any length of time, you will realize that we take seriously uh, the call to prayer uh, and scripture and all of the spiritual disciplines that we participate in. We make significant time here in our gatherings uh, to do such. And so for this time of journey to 50 plus, we have a set of spiritual disciplines that we are inviting everyone to participate in. And uh, we have made it easy for you that if you text the word 50 to 469-369-1303, and you can do that now. No one will look bad upon you if you pull your phone out. 
Uh, if you text that number, you will be reminded throughout the week to participate in these spiritual disciplines. But here are the disciplines during this time. First of all, fasting once a week. We are encouraging everyone who is here this morning to take time this next week to fast. For me, uh, I am going to fast on Tuesdays. Uh, it is a practice that I have kind of gotten out of for the last several months, um, but I have uh, previously and am going to start again this week to fast um, all day on Tuesday. Uh, you can try that if you would like. You also can fast something, uh, just fast a meal or uh, fast your phone or fast, find something to fast and uh, spend time during the week and fast it. You can do it on Tuesday. Uh, you can do it on Sunday afternoon. You can do it on Thursday. Wherever and however you want to do it, we're inviting everyone to participate uh, in the spiritual discipline of fasting. The other discipline that we are inviting everyone to participate in is praying daily this prayer. God, what might I do today to live in sync with your kingdom. Now, if you have been around Journey for uh, uh, any period of time, then as you are fasting and praying this prayer, we are inviting you to focus on and emphasize the 50 plus, the journey to 50 plus uh, during that time. If you are, are, are new to Journey and trying to figure out what this place is all about and, and figuring out if, if this place is the right fit for you, then we're inviting you to uh, consider during this time if God would uh, call you to be a part of the work that he is doing here. So uh, one of the things that has uh, recently uh, we have been recently challenged to do is that we uh, would always, every time that we are gathered together, have a next right step for all of us to take. We believe that when God calls uh, through the reading of scripture, through singing songs together, that God calls us to do something. God never uh, speaks in our lives and just asks us to forget it, right? We are called um, each and every time to do something. So this is kind of a review of what was just said, uh, but also for our purposes up uh, for us on the screen. So uh, today we want to conclude this time with the next right step for us. What is the next right step for you? Well, if you're new to Journey, we would like for you to consider, are you committed to following the way of Jesus? We would also like to invite you to consider prayerfully being one of the 50 plus. If you are, uh, have been around Journey for a while, uh, we want to invite you to fast uh, once weekly, keeping in mind the 50 plus. We want to invite uh, God to lead you to be, to, to pray for God to lead you to be in sync with the kingdom. And also we want you to consider who to invite family, friends, and neighbors to join in the 50 plus.